Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series, promoting disability-competent care during COVID-19. This podcast was recorded as part of a live event held on April 22, 2021. In this podcast, Gabrielle Uribe, Director of Community Health, and Anna Edwards, Clinical Director of Care Management from Inland Empire Health Plan, share a health plan's perspective on promoting disability-competent care during COVID-19. A little bit about IEHP, if we can go to the next slide. Um, IEHP is a, uh, one of the largest uh, dual health plans in the country uh, with a network of over 6,000 providers and 2,000 employees. We provide health care for about 1.3 million folks in California's Riverside and San Bernardino counties, and about 30,378 are dual eligible members as of this March. And with that, I'd like to pass it over to my colleague, Dr. Anna Edwards, who will get us started on some of the interventions that uh, IEHP uh, engaged during COVID-19. Next slide. Well, thank you, everyone. Good morning and good afternoon. I'm Anna Edwards. I am the Clinical Director uh, for Behavioral Health and Care Management at IEHP and work very closely with Gabriel. So he gave you a, a kind of a framework introduction to IEHP, and on this slide, we're taking a look at some of the demographics, specifically around our dual eligible population, of which we have over 30,000. And um, so you can see that we have um, a large um, number who are um, are considered having a disability, and then um, we, are, we have a Hispanic population that's a predominance. And for our top three chronic conditions, it's, it's probably pretty similar uh, across kind of the United States with diabetes leading the, um, leading the diagnosis. But I think that one of the most important things on this slide is towards the right when we talk about the social determinant of health concerns and for our membership, the top is, is food and food insecurity. Um, additionally, housing, uh, availability of for funds for gas and u- utilities. So that'll kind of lead us into the next slide where we talk about what IEHP has been doing around food insecurity. So in general, across the Inland Empire regions, which encompass those two, uh, those two counties, San Bernardino and Riverside County, about 10% of the entire population, according to 2019 data, uh, is food insecure. So what do we know about food insecurity? We know that food insecurity is more prevalent among vulnerable populations. Also, certainly with persons with disabilities, they may have some unique challenges relating to food access. Additional issues that may impact our dual eligible population with disabilities are considered unemployment or underemployment physical, cognitive, sensory limitations, and of course the transportation challenges that Jose was highlighting a few minutes ago. Additionally, Medicaid recipients are more likely than non-Medicaid recipients to experience food insecurity. And Medicaid recipients are also more likely to have multiple unmet social needs and chronic conditions. Food insecurity overall will negatively impact health outcomes. So when we take a look at what happened during the COVID-19 pandemic, we know that prior to the pandemic, there was a food insecurity problem. 
but it was fur- further exacerbated by the pandemic. And why? Because there was increased unemployment, and therefore there were more people who were qualifying for Medicaid, and therefore more people were competing for the same resources to address the food insecurity. Next slide, please. So Inland Empire Health Plan's response to this food insecurity problem was to develop and implement a food insecurity resource linkage program, which was started in June of 2020. The major components of our program really focused on training our care management department, which also is is, um, including our behavioral health uh, team members, So the program focused on using a standardized screening tool, the Hunger Vital Sign, which is only a two-question tool, uh, guiding all of our team members in a decision support algorithm to really think through the urgency and immediacy of the food insecurity problem versus is is a chronic issue, and also considering certain um, family members, so not just the one person that may be in the household, but expanding into looking at the whole uh, family. In addition, a resource tool was programmed for our care management staff to kind of make it easier for them to find the resources quickly for our members. And finally, we wanted to make sure there's a standard documentation process because we want to capture the data to make sure that we are asking the question about food insecurity, we are following up with um, the member to make sure that they receive the, the resource. So another thing that we, uh, we have been doing at IEHP is making sure we are shoring up our strong community partnerships to secure food resources. And I'm going to go ahead and hand it back over to my colleague, Gabriel, for the next slide. Thanks, Anna. And in this slide, we see a a picture of some of our outreach team uh, doing some uh, food uh, resource campaigns out in the community. And as Anna uh, mentioned, as as we saw the pandemic take on, we know that there was a disconnect between the access to food, not simply because of financial resources, although that is a big part of the problem, but to some of the comments that were shared earlier, Uh, the lack of assistance for transportation or caregiving services that connected folks with food in the past made it very difficult for uh, dual eligibles to be able to reach uh, some of the uh, food resources that they might have uh, reached in the past. Uh, So IHP really had to really think about the system as a whole. How do we get food to people, especially during the beginning of the pandemic, to their doorstep? Uh, in an environment that was not necessarily conducive in terms from a reimbursement perspective or from a from a health uh, managed care model to get uh, folks that resource outside of medically tailored meals. And we had to develop quickly a network of partnerships with organizations across both counties to, to meet the, the need. And that was achieved by uh, really working closely with existing infrastructure that perhaps we we hadn't uh, really worked with uh, as a health plan uh, because it was kind of on the on the um, um, outside of of the traditional work that an MCP does and working with with um, the local food banks was an experience developing 
uh, infrastructure to have food refrigerated, to have, um, you know, equipment such as pallet jacks provided to some of the CBOs that were moving high volumes of food and getting them into folks' doorsteps was a significant challenge, but an, a, something that was achieved by leveraging uh, a, a, uh, the coalition that um, the disability community in this space and the health plan in this space and other CBOs had forged prior to the pandemic. And with that, I'll pass it back to Anna on our innovative uh, member outreach strategies in the next slide. Thank you, Gabriel. So uh, IHP is is really uh, founded on innovation, and it's really exciting that we um, are encouraged to really think outside of the box, and uh, we really are we're extremely member-focused uh, at the beginning, at the very, very outset of the pandemic, and making sure that we uh, developed uh, call campaigns, and those call campaigns were to have, you know, a well-check and also to educate, to, to Jose's point, to educate about uh, the pandemic and what what they should do and just provide that information. We also make sure to follow up um, with our members post-hospitalization. We were getting that stream of data and everybody was very hyper-focused. The really, really wonderful thing is IHP had um, staff members, you know, across kind of the organization. Everybody was coming together to help to support um, our, our, our members' needs, and particularly those uh, dual eligible um, and with disabilities. Our call campaigns um, were, were focused uh, originally on those who were 75 and older um, to help them with making vaccine appointments. We know it, it can be challenging for people to, uh, to do online appointment registration and so forth. So our team members were there to call and actually make the appointment for uh, members who needed that assistance. Uh, kind of a unique thing that we did was to uh, to put it out there to the entire organization to make cards for our members who are in skilled nursing facilities. And so that is an ongoing effort, and it's something that everybody and even even their family members can pitch in and, and make some cards to put some, a smile on our, our members' uh, faces who live in those skilled nursing facilities. We have an upcoming picture of one of our cheer parades outside of the skilled nursing facilities. So the the staff in the skilled nursing facilities would uh, would um, make sure that the windows were were open so they could see uh, our our team kind of parading outside and and trying to have the array of cheer shared with those um, those residents. One very nice thing that we have is we have three community uh, resource centers and we do offer virtual classes when we were uh, uh, forced to kind of uh, limit the um, in-person interaction, but that is available for our dual eligible and, um, and also the community uh, can, can register for those classes. And one very exciting thing is we have multiple partnerships with uh, both counties and uh, other providers to help staff their vaccina vaccination sites with our, uh, with our employee volunteers. There's definitely a huge spirit of volunteerism that IEHP has, and it's, it's been a historical but certainly amped up during this time. 
in, in late February, IHP became a vaccination super site in partnership with uh, one of our counties, and that is an ongoing uh, event daily within our building. Um, we have uh, a great partnership, and we have volunteers from our um, our. Uh, team members across the organization, both clinical and non-clinical. So these are some really exciting things. Again, out-of-the-box out thinking is, is really important when we are faced with so many challenges in this pandemic. Next slide, please. And I think we have a picture. Yep, and there is one of our pictures of our cheer parade for our skilled nursing facility. And the next slide, please, we'll have a picture of our card campaign. You can see we're holding up the cards. So thank you for letting me present on that, uh, the innovation that we have done. And the next slide. Uh, before I start talking about the supporting caregivers, I just wanted to say thank you, Chris, for framing the discussion today. I think it was really important to bring back that DCC model. And a big thank you to Jose for, for sharing your story. Um, I think it's so important. And you brought up the importance of uh, the caregivers and, and what a difficult challenge that was in the beginning. And IHP also recognized that, uh, that we need to focus on um, our dual eligible members with disabilities and their caregivers because we, we know the important role of these caregivers. So we focus training for our, our care management and behavioral health team members uh, uh, by providing a caring for the caregiver training. We also encouraged our, our team members to participate in any of the, the great webinars from um, the CMS. And when we talk about the, the PPE issue uh, Jose uh, brought up, we provided hand sanitizers for our in-home supportive service and public authority caregivers early on. Uh, we partnered with uh, our IHSS uh, Public Authority Caregiver Registry uh, to provide additional funding or differential pay for emergency backup caregivers. So we were kind of thinking about this at the very onset of what is going to be the impact of the caregivers. Another thing we did to support the caregivers during this time was to assess um, our caregivers and provide them resources. So we want to make sure that we are, uh, with our with our members' permission, uh, bringing in the caregiver and screening for possible burnout. And if they are burned out, we want to provide resources, whether it be in-home respite or out-of-home respite um, or additional LTSS services or other re resources specifically for the caregiver. Next slide, please. Again, we wanted to provide education and resources, and those took place uh, through training through our uh, community resource centers, and, and that was uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, but we have a caregiver toolbox that was um, created in, in partnership with the Inland Caregiver Resource Center and also Alzheimer's training by the Alzheimer's Association. We made sure to curate caregiver resources, tools, and also videos um, and guides to make them available to the caregivers and our team members as well. So those are at their fingertips. So when they're talking to our members and their caregivers, they can, uh, they can give those to them. 
And then finally, it's really important to educate the providers about caregiver resources. So we, we notify our providers, uh, obviously, when we screen members and, and our members may screen positive for cognitive impairment, uh, making sure that communication feedback loop is there. And we make sure to educate our providers on um, maybe one slide back, please. Thank you so much. Educate our providers on our long-term services and supports, and we are there. We have a specific uh, unit that is dedicated towards that to make sure uh, our providers are, have that awareness. Okay, so next slide, please. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it back over to Gabriel. In terms of addressing social isolation, the Health and Resource and Service Administration um, posted a, uh, an article that spoke to about 43% of seniors feeling lonely on a regular basis. And as you know, the pandemic uh, exacerbated this uh, feeling of loneliness due to the connection loss. Uh, and there are also some direct connections between physical health and um, uh, being lonely. Um, to some uh, researchers, uh, I believe from BYU, have made the connection that being lonely on a regular basis can be as, or have the same impact of, smoke, uh, of smoking 15 cigarettes a day uh, in terms of the physical impact on a person's body as they're navigating through that. So we knew that addressing social isolation was key during the pandemic, and we partnered with a local university uh, social work program to uh, sponsor Chromebooks and other uh, devices and um, assisted seniors in, in different spaces on how to utilize those Chromebooks in order to connect via Zoom or via other social medias with the family um, so that they would uh, have those connections in place. We leveraged about nine, nine college students from the same university to um, connect with seniors via staying connected calls in uh, less tech ways and a more uh, traditional telephonic approach uh, to engagement. And we did that because we knew that um, you know, many folks in, during this situation were losing family members, uh, were losing friends in facilities, and really could benefit from that continuous social connection as a piece of uh, their recovery. And I know we're running out of time, so if, if um, we could maybe skip back to the, uh, go next to the key considerations for health plans, and Anna will help us close out with that slide. Okay, great. Well, thank you, everybody. So, again, touching on exploring innovation, thinking outside of the box, super important for health plans to consider, partnering with our community to make sure we're addressing social issues, using data to look at those disparities, and then acting on the data to address the disparities. And, again, build that culture of enthusiasm within your organization, especially around volunteerism and partnering. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. 
You can also find resources for integrated care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.